0: Hi, and welcome to The Strad Podcast. I'm Davina Shum, I'm a cellist, and I'm the online editor at The Strad. I'm joined today by Norwegian violinist Bjarte Eike, who with his group, the Baroque Solistener created the Ale House Sessions in 2017, which is now being followed up by the Playhouse Sessions. It takes inspiration from music-making scenes in 17th century England during the time straddling Oliver Cromwell's Commonwealth and the restoration of the monarchy with King Charles II. Beata and his colleagues create a show environment that is not just about the music, but embraces high-risk creativity as well as making mistakes. We also spoke about the importance of live audiences, including how Biata uses booze to bring the audience into his curated alehouse environment. Here he is. Biata. welcome to the Strad Podcast. We're here today to talk about your upcoming Playhouse sessions, the recording of which is coming out on the 23rd of September and also coincides with your performances at the Southbank Centre in London. I know that... This is based in the London entertainment scene during the 1650s, during Oliver Cromwell's Commonwealth. Now, I'm not a big expert on English history, not being English myself. So for those who are unfamiliar, i.e. me, can you tell me a little bit more about the circumstances in which musicians found themselves under order of Oliver
1: Cromwell? Yes, I can. Thanks for having me on on this podcast, by the way. So since I'm uh, not English either, so I'll try to do, <laughs> do my best. I'm from no- I'm Norwegian, <laughs> so you have to excuse my Scandi accent. It's important to understand with this project the, the alehouse sessions and the, the, the playhouse sessions, they are very connected. They have a sort of narrative. It is the backdrop or the, the story behind. It gives the inspiration for the project. It's not a um, museum in the way that This is exactly what they played and how they played. But it's rather, it gives the inspiration for me to create. I think of it more like a creative room, which I can keep uh, refurbishing. The the story with Cromwell, it gives the framework for my project in a way. But then what I put into it, the content, it is much more about the musicians involved and, and how we play and how we perform rather than today, rather than what it used to be then so it's just important to have that distinction I think. So Oliver Cromwell he was a Puritan and he was not very fond of uh, anything that was remotely fun like music and theatre and dance and drinking alcohol or anything like that so he tried to put several bans on, on music and music making. He closed down all the theatres and all the playhouses and there was nowhere for musicians and and actors and, and the like to, to go and perform. So they had to go into the common houses where people met, uh, taverns, alehouses, inns, they were full of them all over in England, of course. These unemployed musicians and actors from the theatres who was then roaming the streets in London trying to find a place, <laughs> place to perform, uh, that's very similar to today, isn't it? But anyway, they met with the locals in the taverns they created these sort of, sort of sessions, sit-downs, where they, they mixed what you would call local folk music and whatever they brought with them from the, from the theatres and from the, the places they had been employed uh, earlier. These sessions, this uh, hybrid, they created this type of, of new music making, which is it's really a mixture of, of high and low. Lots of drinking songs. It has a lot to do with alcohol. Of course. They became very popular these. Actually they became so popular that Cromwell tried he made a new decree saying that it was not allowed to have uh, instruments inside the pubs even anymore. So then people started, you know, singing more and doing catches and stuff like that. I'm inspired by what people do when uh, you try to put restrictions on, you know, that they are just being creative in a way and I like the the mixture of the of the music. We, we have a lot of collections of tunes and stuff that we knew, know have been performed in these places. And then when Charles II came back in 1660, there was uh, the monarchy restoration and Cromwell was out of the picture. The Alehouse sessions uh, or the sessions continued and some of these places were turned into music houses. They had the back rooms turned into small theatres, and, and they, they they started having subscription events, and uh, and all of a sudden music was so high in fashion in London, and they couldn't build these theatres and and uh, fast enough, so they continued playing in the pubs. It's also you know fifty years before enlightenment really hits Europe, so it's it's very early uh, because it was open to all sorts of people didn't cost much to get in. In the start, it was for free anyway.
0: You sort of mentioned it before about how it's a little bit like today. But do you sort of see parallels between what happened then and what's happening now, you know, with restrictions? You said that there's creativity that is born out of these restrictions. And as we know, we've had plenty of restrictions over the last two, three years.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are plenty of uh, (laughs) parallels, of course. I'm sort of hoping that now that we see things Opening up again uh, again, that we hit some of the things that they, they did back then as well when when music became uh, legal again, it was so high in fashion uh, you know London was the place to go to, and it was just everybody wanted to have music, they were so ready to be entertained, they were so ready for parks. <laughs> that happened also with the Pro- prohibition in after the first world war as well uh, you know when they open up again, then you have the roaring twenties, so you know I'm hoping that uh, we'll get back to Lots of action and, and people wanting to be free. And so in that sense, I'm, I'm, I, th- I see strong parallels, of course. And, I, and also this, this thing that you said about being inventive and creative. I mean, we did all these uh, online concerts and uh, the art community has always found a way, which is, which is great.
0: That's exactly what I was going to say next, yeah. actually. M- music will find yeah. a way. And it just reminds me of there's a scene in Jurassic Park where they say life yeah, finds a yeah, exactly. way. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's the, it's the same with music as well. I mean, we're not talking about anything destructive as the advent of the dinosaurs. But, <laughs> you know, with restrictions, I think musicians will find creative yeah. ways uh, to continue with their craft. You're bringing this on stage at the Purcell Room in the Southbank Centre. Tell me about the kind of vibe that you want to create when you're there. When I listen back to the Alehouse sessions, I I think a lot about the pub. I think of informality and I think of spontaneity, a lot of improvisation. Um, What kind of environment do you want to bring to the audience um, in this way?
1: Well, in the Southbank Centre, uh we are doing a double bill actually so we're doing the first part in the purcell room well i wanted to do a, a double bill i wanted to do first the purcell in the purcell room uh, because it's, it's a it's a portrait of the composer purcell and we do everything off book complicated classical pieces but i i weave them together so they all interconnected i i like to use the room the space a bit i've been working a lot in on-stage productions in my career, uh, make, working on stage uh, in theatre productions or in operas. I'm very interested in exploring what's the role of a musician on stage today and why is it such a bad thing to be called a showman and the showmanship is, is uh, you know... So I, I'm, I'm very interested in trying to find shows that are not only concerts...
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. It's it's the complete yeah. work, right? It, it's complete. What is the, the German word? Gesamtkunstwerk.
1: Kunst, yeah. Kunstwerk. That's it.
0: Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, whereas, you know, you're not getting on stage just to replicate something or just to play notes, no. but you're also offering an environment, you're offering a show yeah. as well.
1: And I also think that in the classical world, it's become, you know, we're afraid of making mistakes. We're afraid it has to be perfect mm. all the time. I demand that uh, from from my players and in any shows that I do that we have a high risk and making mistakes is a good thing actually because it just shows that we are human and we laugh at it. Yes. And if you have the right type of personnel, which I have, we're creative people that are working in multiple businesses within the art. We have all sorts of interesting, <laughs> strange fruit in the in the ensemble. If somebody makes a mistake, you just laugh laugh at it and laugh it yeah. off and, and, and play on it, you know, use it uh, for all that it's worth. And bringing that sort of element, I think, is part of the reason why people like going to a nail house. So even when I do a more serious thing like the the personal first part of it, I like to use theatrical or staged experiences that I have to create a different experience for the for the audience and i think it's very important that audience understands that they are a vital part to a live show i think showing that we can make mistakes showing that we are humans is one thing i think making it very clear to the audience that they are a vital part. And that means that you have to recognize that they are there. I mean, you don't have to be a clown or a showman. Like, I just happen to, I I like that element. I'm I'm very outward type of person. But even if you're in it and, uh, you know, just have to recognize that you have to take in the whole room and we have to create moments which are unique and it's only happening there and then. You can't recreate this moment ever again that's what what is unique for what we have, because you can make perfect recordings, you can make fantastic shows that are so well rehearsed and which have so much money into it, but it becomes just as impersonal. You have to invest everything of yourself, of course, into it, but you have to take the audience in. They have to be part of it.
0: I think we all know what concerts are like without an audience, given the last uh, <laughs> yeah, three exactly. three years. And so I think it's important for audiences to recognize something of themselves yes. on stage. And so it, it's a little bit like what you said about if you make a mistake and you show it, you show that you're human. And that way you draw the audience in because then they see themselves yes. in you. And there's less of that divide of us yeah. and them. They feel like, oh, there's a person getting on stage doing a thing, and I'm really enjoying this, and I'm here. Yeah. I, I
1: have this one thing that one of my dear friends said, who was also in the in the alehouse said that his approach to going on stage, this is Steve Player, he says, Today I happen to have the role of being on stage. And there might be plenty of people of you here in the audience that could do a better job or might as well be here. But today it's me and you are there. Yeah. Tomorrow it might be the other way. So but let's 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 Take that in, you know. That's, and I I like that.
0: Yeah, Yeah, it's like today's my turn, and it might not be my turn next time. Yeah. You know, you mentioned high risk performances, and you we've mentioned ale houses. We've mentioned copious amounts of booze. Can you drink and play? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Actually, in fact, doing an ale house without alcohol is more difficult than with alcohol.
0: Do you feel like your inhibitions are lowered when you have? Alcohol. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about, like, going on stage absolutely hammered. I mean, I wouldn't know. I don't know what you do. But, no, no. but um, you know, tell me about how that um, plays a part in, in your performances. Are you
1: a violinist? Or?
0: I'm a cellist, yeah.
1: You're a cellist, yeah. But then you, you, you probably know that if you're intoxicated um, playing, if you're at a party somewhere and somebody, say, play something, and then you take a, a piece of music out and you try to read the music and play, that, that's a disaster.
0: Sometimes the dots have a tendency to run away off the page. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> and I think it's the reaction time from what you see on the paper. The tr- you, you, you reduce the translation of, in the brain mm. of the information and how you translate it into a performance. But if you learn a piece of book by heart, then you have it, and then you don't, you don't have that extra... I, I can't play anything off the page uh, if I have anything to drink.
0: Yeah.
1: When we do an alehouse, and uh, we're going to do that in the, in the South Bank Centre as well, is that uh, we like to, to dress the stage up a bit. So we have maybe an old beaten up couch or sofa. Yeah. We have some beer barrels, whatever they have at the, at the various mm-hmm. venues. Some of them, some venues go all in and we even had a couple of places where they brew brewed beer on stage with us uh, and, and then served the fresh beer to the audience in the, in the intermission but we like to have beer on with us on stage because we can then cheers with the audience it gives us props and uh, something and we we do sing-alongs we sing with the audience we, we bring them in that sense of party with a drink in hand is something that we all like. Uh, yeah. you know, most of us like anyway. It's not just for us to, to have free booze. It's it's also an ex- <laughs> <laughs> it's also actually something that we use. I tend to have quite a bit of alcohol-free beer on stage as well, so you don't have to. You know, if you forget yourself, you can actually become quite.
0: And also, uh, you comp- mentioned it's a double bill. You know, you <laughs> you gotta pace uh, yourself, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I see what what you mean there. It's it's sort of a nice way again to to bring the audience and with you and yeah. also just get that feeling of an ale house in, in, yeah in the 1600s exactly yeah.
1: and that and then i mean if you want to have the illusion or create an illusion of that we are in a pub and you are in fact on a stage you know maybe you're in a concert house bean or on a theater or a- anywhere anything you can do to to help create an, an illusion is, is good yeah, but I mean, it's important also to say that it's also about high quality music making. That's the first thing. You can't go out and be a clown or do a lot of things and then not not be able to 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 yeah. play.
0: You still have to be able to deliver and not use yeah. booze as an excuse, right?
1: <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, there there shouldn't be any excuses. But making mistakes or errors are just. Uh, Fantastic, I think, yeah. they're, they're good contributions. The Playhouse sessions is a continuation of the Alehouse sessions. I keep evolving the, the Alehouse. It's, I have a little black book that I bring with me, and I write down, write down the set list for tonight, and I have all the different set lists. Half an hour before showtime, we meet with all the musicians, and then I tell them, tonight we're going to play, we we'll start with this, right. and then they get set list. So that keeps it fresh.
0: Mm-hmm. High risk, as you mentioned.
1: Yeah, and then yeah. when we then uh, are invited back to this venue or place, I can go back and I see what we played and I can change it around so that we also do yeah. slightly different things. Because we have a huge repertory after a while. I don't want to only do Alehouse in my life. I want to do other things as well. People were really on me that you have, we have to make a, an, another Alehouse album. But instead of just calling it the Alehouse 2, I took the Alehouse title, just crossed out Ale and put Playhouse. And I took all music f- from all the theatrical stuff that we have been doing, the Midsummer Night's Dream, Dido, things that we have been working on, and then fusing it with some of the Alehouse stuff that we haven't recorded and then changing the narrative a little bit. like, OK, we've been sitting in the bar, drinking our beer, playing with the locals. Now it's time to stand up, go into the back room where yeah. they have put up a little... Theatre. We make a show for you. It's physical humor uh, together with uh, sing-alongs, serious music, Shakespeare and Purcell. Uh, you know, hand in hand, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I I see the air house more like a tree. And it has all these branches that I can, you know, I can go in that direction. If we're in a beer festival, I can focus on the beer the story, the history of beer. If we are playing in a folk music festival, I play more folk stuff. If we play an early music festival, I maybe tend to do more Purcell cell and, and, you know, talk yeah. a little bit more serious about the whole historical context before I turning it into <laughs> to a pub.
0: So it's versatile it, in that way, Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, And yeah, I, it's yeah. important for me to keep it versatile and to keep it authentic in a way that it doesn't become a stylish finished product yeah. that we repeat all the time. We have to keep it fresh and I have to keep yeah. all my musicians on the toes.
0: Otherwise it'd be boring, right? It will be boring. High risk, as you said. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bjarne, thank you so much for joining me today. Really interesting to hear your insights on your approaches to this production. And all the best for the 23rd of September for your double bill and your album release. Yes. Pace yourself. <laughs> I know. Cheers. Hope you enjoyed listening to Biata, As mentioned in the chat, the album the Playhouse Sessions is out on the 23rd of September, which is also the same day that Biata and the Baroque Solistena will be performing their double bill at the South Bank Centre in London. More details in the show notes. Right now you're listening to an excerpt from their album called Can She Excuse Puck's Wrongs? Do keep an eye out for the November 2022 issue of The Strad, which will feature a review of the Playhouse sessions. Anyway, some of you might be feeling a little bit thirsty with a slight hankering to get to the pub, so I'll wrap things up now. Don't forget to head to our website, thestrad.com, to check out the latest news, articles and reviews on all things to do with string playing. And if you like what you see and hear, register and subscribe to access exclusive archival content from 2010 onward. We've got 50% off an online subscription for students. And if you're not sure you're ready to subscribe, take out a free trial for seven days, start reading right away with no strings attached. And if you happen to be on Apple Podcasts right now, give us a little review or a rating that'd help us out loads. Thanks for listening and tune in again soon for another episode. Take good care. Bye.